0: Welcome back, everyone, to Your Life, God's Word, where we take the principles found in Scripture and we apply them to our everyday lives, those areas that are most important, faith, family, and community. All right. Hey guys, we are back with yet another episode and I think we're going to probably round out this, uh, this series today on the, uh, talking about the beast and the dragon and, uh, how things and the kind of this the, the natural and the spiritual work. Um, <clears throat> probably seeing a little bit, even, even a little more, just a little more change. If you're watching this on the, uh, on the actual YouTube channel, uh, still trying to get the studio just just to where I, I I really like it. I mean, frankly, I I don't even mind just a just a audio podcast only uh, because they're so much easier. You can do it from like anywhere. You just grab the microphone and boom go. Uh, but on YouTube, you kind of need that uh, that video element, and you know, just getting into a new place, new studio, getting the lighting correct, and all that stuff just takes a little bit of time. So bear with me. Hopefully it's the content you're coming back for anyway, and not like, ooh, this guy has nothing good to say, but uh but just has a wonderful background on his podcast. So that's why I watch him. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully that's not uh that's not the case. The uh the last couple of weeks we've been we've been talking about if you're joining us for the first time, I definitely uh recommend going back and, and listening or watching some of these. But we've been going through a discussion of you know the the understanding, the idea, and some of the prophetic books like uh, like Revelation, Ezekiel, um, talking about the prophetic imagery, the biblical imagery of the the beasts that we see. You know, you've got uh, Daniel, <clears throat> excuse me, you've got Daniel, you've got Ezekiel. You've got Revelation, and uh, you've got all these scary-sounding, uh, you know, different beasts and all these all this imagery going on. And a lot of times, you know, people people start letting you know the imagination go wild, and it's like, oh, you know, maybe this could be, you know, fill in the blank, or you know, I think this is fill in the blank. The Bible actually does a lot of um, you know self-explanation. And wherever we find that Scripture just clarifies itself, Scripture interprets Scripture, um, I personally think that's the best. Just uh, that's my my personal preference. Let the Bible speak to itself. Let the Scriptures just um, explain themselves rather than uh, anybody and everybody. Uh, It doesn't matter if it's a consensus or if it's a denominational uh, viewpoint or whatever it is. It's just better to let the Bible speak for itself. And I I think it's pretty obvious now over the last few weeks that these various beasts that are spoken of, they are what I'm calling the governmental system. But as I've already explained multiple times in uh, several of these podcasts, don't think of it as just like here in the United States, just the Congress, the executive branch—you know, the president, the White House—it's—it's uh, it's the entirety of the cultural force. Back way back when you know Caesar was ruling, you didn't have this—you uh, know—stark contrast or even, or separation, this division between you know sports entertainment politics, media, uh, some of these different cultural uh, institutions, education. uh, A lot of times you had this all kind of rolled up into one primary uh, ruler or system. And you could just say this governmental system. But when I say that, when I'm talking about that, when I'm talking about the beast, it's these different things coming together and working to rule over and govern and dominate society. So we see this uh, in our uh, in our own day and age. Here in the West, uh, in the United States, is what I'm specifically talking to, but uh, you, you'll see this in whatever country you might be in. You'll see this especially in Western cultures, if it's Canada or the UK or wherever. Uh, you see these different cultural institutions that work together sometimes in very odd ways that um, seem to push in a general direction, but some, they, sometimes they even, you would think they should be opposed to each other. Uh, and yet sometimes they'll, they'll combine forces to push a specific agenda or go into a specific direction. And why am I saying all this? How am I tying this together, right? Uh, the president comes out and says such and such, Hollywood comes out and says such and such. Sports and entertainment come out and push a certain message. Uh, schools are are pushing a certain message, tone, belief system from the from the kind of the bottom up with the, with the kids, and they all kind of coalesce into this. It's it's a general direction that we're headed, um, and that's what I mean by the beast. That's what I'm talking about when uh, I tie this into the scriptural understanding of these things. Then when you go to, say, Revelation, we talked about Isaiah 14. We went through uh, Ezekiel 28. But you look at Revelation, it talks about the dragon giving his power and authority to the beast. So Satan, the powers of hell are empowering um, and animating this system in the earth that is then trying to rule and govern and dominate in a certain direction. Now, Satan is not giving his power uh, to a specific system to see that system then lead lead people into the kingdom of God. He is wanting the kingdom of darkness to be furthered, and that is why he is offering his power. So, when we get to these different institutions, uh, let's um, let's take something like education. Isn't it interesting that uh, in education, you're you're supposed to be, you know, things that are clearly established, things that are factual, or even if if there's a little bit of, um, maybe there's some good debate on, there's a couple of different camps, beliefs in this certain uh, field or whatever, you, okay, present the options to the students, present the options at the college or the university, let them decide, but but here's, or and you can even say, here's the two options, but culturally, this is kind of where we lean, this is what we believe. But instead, usually there's a specific agenda enforced, a specific agenda that runs in total contrast to uh, other cultural institutions. So if we look at something like, uh, education and we'll say the the science, um, the 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 learning science education crowd. Let's take somebody that's an atheist, right? Shouldn't wouldn't you think that someone that is supposedly right, theoretically, although maybe not factually, but you know theoretically, they're just about science. They're just about the the evidence, right? sienter it's supposed to be you know, to know it's supposed to be we just want to, you know, seek the truth and, and get the facts. Isn't it interesting that they uh, often will partner with the crowds like the LGBT community where they actually go against their in stark contrast to the biological prerogative of furthering the human race, for instance, um, biologically we are designed, or maybe you don't want to use that term, right? I'm talking as the atheist or or whatever, the agnostic. Um, biologically, we should be pushing. We should be forwarding. We should be saying, no, 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 nature has, de- has determined. We've, quote, unquote, evolved this way, that this is the way things should be, right? Uh, the, this generation is trying to get its genes into the next generation, its survival of the fittest, and all this stuff, right? So why would they be so hand in hand? Why is like almost every atheist, not everyone, but so many of them, a lot of the the pop culture ones, um, they're so like pro LGBT, they're so pro uh, abortion, they're a lot of them are super pro like trans, which is like the most obvious biological Thing there is, there's the gender binary. You're either male or female. Uh Okay, sure. There may be anomalies like the rare, 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 rare. Somebody is, uh, you know, at birth there's a defect and maybe it can go either way. But that's extremely, that's extremely rare, right? Was that hermaphrodite? That that's extremely rare, and we're not even talking about that. We're talking about people that say. I was born this way, but I feel like I'm this way, and therefore I am that way. And that that's where society is going. Like, if somebody feels this way, that's the way they are in reality. Um, why would atheists, why would people who are big on, you know, the science, quote unquote, the science, why would they be in that camp? Why would they be partnering? You would think they'd be the one of the loudest voices, like, this is pure and utter nonsense. Why would the medical community be pushing this? Why would... uh? well let's just stop right there right pharmaceutical companies why would they want uh why would they want to have uh customers for life locked in that need them forever paying gobs and gobs of money uh mm, I wonder uh, you don't have to guess there have been uh exposes on various institutions universities and um uh doctors and things like that that have it absolutely been exposed for, uh, you know, being utter frauds and just being after the money and grant money and things like that. So you have the frauds, you have the you know you have the the hucksters, you have the, right, those that know better. Then you have the people that are just operating out of fear. They're keeping their head down. They're not going to say anything. They're not going to buck the system. Maybe they're not down with it. They're just a doctor trying to get you know get through, try to you know pay their bills, care for their family but they're not they're, they're the silent right they're the acquiescent and then you have the people on the other side that there's there's quite a few quite a quite a lot of uh physicians and um you know organizations and stuff that have come out and and they think all this stuff scientifically biologically it's it's cra- it's 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 utter nonsense what is it? You know, it's it's similar to like bulimia or anorexia where where your your mental state, your what you what you believe it doesn't line up with reality. And so what do we need to do? We need to care for them, love them, help them to see, help them to make that connection, get back to know this is reality and this is where we need to to operate. So again, that's just one example where you have you know, you have a, a huge like contingent over here and a huge right contingent over here, just, uh, or constituencies on each side who, who you would think would be utterly against each other, but somehow pushing in the same direction. Very strange. The, the, the quote unquote feminist movement right now, feminism, actual feminism is a beautiful thing. Uh, this feminist, uh, spirit and, 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 uh, and movement that's out there, like in your face, uh, you know, me woman, me need no man type of thing. That stuff is is just absolutely terrible and horrible. Um, and uh, in my opinion, no real man, uh, maybe a male, but no real man would in in any way ever be on board with that. And no real woman would ever in any way be on board with that. It's utter nonsense. But think about how these are coming to a head, right? You got the trans movement, you got the women's, you know, the the fem movement, absolutely clashing when it comes to things like sports, things like that, where now the there are actual ladies, actual women, you know, this um, the, these colleges, people losing scholarships, people losing out. Uh, because there's this massive clash. Now, where are all the big names, the the big icons of the feminist movement stepping out and saying, oh, no, we're not going to have this. Men can't be women just because they say so. We are, you know, there's a certain thing that makes us a woman. Where are they? Right? They're virtually non-existent. Why? Again, two diametrically opposed factions, who are joining hands and pushing a specific agenda? Right. I, could, I mean, I could go on with this stuff. The, the, these there are there are other examples, but these are the ones. I mean, these are very much out there. Uh, you know, kind of in the public sphere, right? Um, how how is this possible? Because behind all of this, right in this world, this tangible physical world, that is the. Really, it, this is the temporary world. This is, the, if quote unquote, the unreal world, because the spiritual world was before this world. It is now during this world, and it will be after this world. The spiritual world behind this physical reality is pushing in a certain direction, and it will use these different um, constituencies. It will use these different factions to push that agenda. But when they overlap, or, or when they well, when they come into Uh, contrast or come into conflict you see these just weird alliances being made because the ultimate goal is to tear down the structures that are in place from God now you may not believe that you may not like that you may you know I, I don't know it doesn't really matter this is the reality of it the reality of it is God created the family therefore when Satan is behind the institutions he is going to do what he can to destroy the family destroy the family that's what he's going to try and do that's what he that is his goal this is why you've got things like you know disney i mean they're they're their money base right their their monetary base is families and yet they are pushing agendas that turn off the majority of families they don't care how much money they're going to lose. They don't. They're just going to push this agenda. Why? That makes no sense. Just from a pure uh, survival strategy, a pure like we just want to make money strategy. Um, it's because there's an ideology behind this that it, it trumps the other things. And well, as I said, I could do. I could give more examples. We see this over and over where Satan is behind the scenes. There is a beast. That is visible. That's out there. That's trying to control. That's trying to take the reins. And Satan is empowering, animating, uh, pushing this beast in a specific direction. Now it's nothing to get like super. Oh no, we just go hide in a cave and we, you know, we we don't know what to do. And oh Jesus, hurry up and come rescue us or anything like that. Because this has always been the case. Right, Literally, Daniel is writing about it. Ezekiel is writing about it. Right, John's writing about it in the book of Revelation. And so it's nothing to be afraid of. It's just something to be aware of. It's like in Ephesians where Paul, we already already read it, but where Paul says, hey, we're not wrestling against fresh. fresh. (laughs) We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Our fight is not against that. Our fight is against what? Principalities, powers, the... Uh, spiritual wickedness high places, um, rulers of the darkness of this world uh, that that's that's where we're at. that's what we're fighting. we we do see things in the physical world. we these principalities, these rulers of the darkness of this world are using and uh, if I can use the word manifesting through things in this world, people in, the, in this world, organizations in this world, institutions in this world, but ultimately it's a spiritual battle. But this is exactly how it is in the kingdom of God as well. You see, Satan needs to use people, and God chooses to use people. And so we need to focus on the other side. Yes, we need to know about this. Yes, we need to understand how it works because it helps us not to war in the flesh. It helps us not to. It's not that we can't go vote. I think we should. It's not that we shouldn't be. Uh, Involved in these different cultural institutions. I I think we should. I think Christ should be king and focus and lord and ruler of um, of all these institutions. Now, things like Hollywood would change drastically (laughs) if Christ was king and lord. Um, But you can have plenty of great entertainment that doesn't cross the line into uh, things that are against Christ. And so why not? We could have that, let's go. Um, but let's let's take a look at some of the focus in the scriptures because this is not just me saying this, trying to like draw this weird like, you know, fringe um, outlook on things. This is absolutely centrally focused to the gospel, centrally focused to the met- the message of Christ. And I think that sometimes again, if we don't have this understanding, we don't look at things as there's there's this spiritual realm that's kind of the reality realm that like drives things. And then there's the physical realm where these are they're played out. It's like the stage on which reality plays out. Reality is the spiritual realm, right? If we don't realize that, then we can get caught up into we're super focused on there's this little aspect over here, but we don't have a holistic view. We're we're super focused on quote unquote winning people to Christ, but we're not super focused on, hey, you know what? Christ winning the world, as in Christ ruling and reigning in the world. No, 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 we're just going to out, go out and, you know, Satan's the god of this world, the whole world's going to hell in the handbasket, but we are just over here trying to win people to Jesus to hide in a cave somewhere. Again, if you have that kind of view, that is uh, not holistic, not kingdom, then that's, a, that's an absolute, I would say, probability. So what do we need? We need people that are aware We are cognizant of what's going on. We are awake and we are focused on the kingdom of God. Now let's go look at a few scriptures here. Mark chapter one is where we're going to go. Mark chapter one and verse 14 says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. Awesome. He's proclaiming the gospel and saying... The time was fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So he's saying repent and believe in the gospel, but what is the underlying what right the underlying driving force? This is the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God infiltrating the earth, coming coming down right here among men. And how do we tap into that? Repent and believe the gospel. The gospel message is. Profound, the gospel message is powerful. The gospel, the gospel message is central. But before there was this gospel message, as we understand it, right? Jesus, the the the, the virgin birth, the uh, the the ministry on earth, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and the uh, obviously ascension of Christ, as we uh, as Paul lays out in 1 Corinthians fifteen. Before there was any of this, the kingdom of God was already there. The kingdom of God was there before the earth was created, right? So the gospel, repentance, healing for our physical bodies, all these things are a part of the kingdom of God. They are not the totality of it. And we need to get the part. We need to get that down. We need to preach the gospel. We need, but we also need to understand the, and have the ability to step back and see the whole picture. The picture is: we are supposed to be the kingdom of God. We are ambassadors, right? According to Paul, he told the Corinthian church, we are ambassadors. Where, where are we ambassadors from? From the kingdom of God. We're here in the earth, and we're ambassadors bringing the message of yes, salvation, yes, the gospel. But the gospel is to save us from sin. The gospel is to bring us into the kingdom of God. And when we're there, it's not just to sit and, and, and wait until we're out of here. It's to now we're in the kingdom. Now let's be the kingdom, right? So let's go to uh, Mark chapter 4, uh, just a couple of chapters after uh, what we just read in Mark 1. Mark chapter 4, verse 1 says, Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat, sat it on the sea, uh, sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things and parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, right, and then he goes into the parable of the sower. Right? Now, we know that once you get into the parable of the sower, right? there are some principles there that he's unfolding. He's unpacking. Um, but what is he ultimately doing? Right? Think about it. What is he ultimately doing? He is showing them principles of the kingdom of God. Okay? Principles of the kingdom of God. Now as you go through the parables like say Matthew 13 where he talks about the the mustard seed, he says the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he continues on. Um, uh, Further down in Mark chapter 4, let's go ahead and go there. Uh, Verse 26, he said the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. So Uh, Throughout the parables, I'm just using these examples of parables that he gave to expound uh, principles of the kingdom of God to people. Almost every parable you read about, um, almost every teaching where Jesus is expounding and teaching principles, what he's doing is he's explaining and showing forth, this is how it works in the kingdom of God in contrast to the kingdom of the world. he the, the kingdom of the world includes things like religion, and this is why he often said, it has been said or you have heard, but I say. What is he doing? He's contrasting and comparing your religious kingdom, which is just a kingdom of man, which is ultimately just a kingdom of Satan. He's contrasting that with what? He's contrasting that with but this is what the kingdom of God is like. So I would say do this. Next time you're reading through the gospels, like just doesn't matter which God, Matthew, Luke, whatever, um, pay attention to how often Jesus refers to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, uh, my kingdom, my father's kingdom, right? These aren't four different kingdoms, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the father, the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of heaven. No, these are all the same. Uh, Look at how much it's there. It, it's what his ministry was about. He came, right, as, a, as the ultimate sort of representative of the kingdom of God. To do what? To reconcile us back to him. Because we are supposed to be in the kingdom of God. When God created Adam and Eve, he didn't create them in the kingdom of Satan. He was, you know, he was wanting them to come and come be saved. He created them in his kingdom, right? That was broken through their sin and disobedience, but he wanted them in in the kingdom. This whole gospel thing is to save us from sin to bring us into the kingdom. Uh, Why would I say that? Well, I would say that because if you go to John chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Now, he's a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher, come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Right? Now, this guy is a Pharisee. He's a teacher. He's a ruler. And he's he's coming to Jesus at night because, you know, he doesn't want to get in trouble. <laughs> uh, can I just say something? A little, little bit of a side note here. When people are bound up in religious atmospheres, and then they start taking steps toward the kingdom of God, did you know there there actually will be conflict, even if that religious structure is supposedly about Jesus, it's supposedly about the cross, it's supposedly about If it's religious, when I say religious, I mean like kind of that that spirit of religion, religious. I'm not talking about pure and undefiled religion that the Bible talks about. I'm not talking about the kind of quote-unquote religion that Jesus actually came to implement. I'm talking about tradition, man's tradition, man's religion, okay? The reason for that is because the spirit of religion is not of God. It is not of Christ, but stepping toward the kingdom of Jesus Christ, that is of Christ. And so there's going to be conflict. There will be conflict. That's why people really shouldn't be surprised if the kingdom of God conflicts with denominational beliefs and instead of people in that denomination or leaders within that denomination going, oh my goodness, we we didn't see this all this time. Wow, hallelujah, we can now incorporate this this." additional understanding of the kingdom and we can be even better, even closer to God. We can... No. No, no, no. Usually there's full-out rejection. Usually there's ostracization and um, there's control. There's fear. Anybody who's ever been um, in and around the spirit of religion, you are intimately familiar with the fear that comes on when you dare... To start, even if you're trying to step toward God, you're true, I'm trying to step closer to Christ. The fear that the inability to breathe, the looking over your shoulder, right when you're studying the Bible, right? Um now you should be looking over your shoulder if you're in the back, you know, the, the back room with a Ouija board, right? Like, what are you doing? But literally the fear of reading the Bible. Like, wow, look at this. It's because religion is a powerful force that the dragon uses and he is totally okay with religion being one of those mountains of culture, one of those areas that push his agenda. So I just wanted to say that because I know, um, I know that there are many people who are in other faiths, other religions. Uh, and who are in different, say, denominations or Christian churches and still find it, like, strange or odd when you're just trying to follow Christ, you're looking at the scriptures, you're, you're just trying to be like the Book of Acts church, for instance, and you get pushback from the very place that is supposedly the kingdom of God. It it does happen. Now, I'm not saying every crazy doctrine that comes out just because you're sitting and reading the Bible is of God, but I am addressing those religious, traditional spirits and spiritual forces that operate frequently in even houses of worship that would call themselves churches. So, here we go. Back to Nicodemus. uh, After he says, hey, you know what? We know you're a teacher come from God. Jesus answers him in verse 3. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again. Now look. This is very important. He does not say, unless one is born again, uh, you're going to burn in hell. Unless you're born again, you just can't be saved. Unless look at the context that Jesus goes to. What is the born experience about? Does it save you from sin? Oh yes, yeah. D- does it keep you out of hell? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. But what is Jesus looking at? He's looking big picture. He's looking. This is the ultimate. This is what you're. What you're really. What you're, what it's going to be about. He says, unless one is born again, he cannot see. The kingdom of God. Okay. Now some people try well, they'll they'll read that and they think he cannot make it to heaven, you know, when they die in eternity. But that is not what Jesus is talking about. Verse 4, Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly. Now he's talking about being born again. He is Answering the question about being born again. Nicodemus did not ask him about being born and also being born again. He just said, how, what what do you mean by born again? Jesus answers, right, how to be born again. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Let's go back. That phrase, he cannot enter the kingdom of God, right? It, it speaks of what he had already said. He cannot see the kingdom of God, right? He, bas- he just said the same thing he said before. He just expanded it. All right. He's not introducing something new. He's not saying, hey, first you got to be born, just regular natural water birth, and then you have to be born of the spirit. There is nothing in this to indicate that. The only thing that would indicate that or get people to think that is denominational tradition from men. He said, You got to be born again. Nicodemus asks, old Nick asks, How do you get born again? Jesus says, Well, you got to be born of water and spirit. That's how you're born again. You're born of water and spirit. So we have to be born again, but it's in the context of what? Entering and even seeing the kingdom of God, right? The way to see the kingdom of God the way to enter the kingdom of God is to be born again because we're born into the kingdom of this world and we need to be born again to enter into this kingdom that Jesus came to bring us into. Now, I think that is a, a fairly common, under you know at least the expression is used, born again, amongst a lot of uh, Christian denominations and stuff. But I think a lot of times we forget what what that really means. When you're born again, you're a newborn baby. You've just been born. That's not the end state. That's not not the end all, be all. You've just been born. There's a whole lot to do. There's growing up and maturing, and and that's not just cleaning up your life and getting off drugs. It's also understanding the need to be kingdom-minded, to go out there and spread the kingdom in the earth. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 12. This is Matthew 12, uh, verse 25. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. No city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, uh, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if I, But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons... Then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Okay, he goes on to explain a little bit more, but what is he saying, right? There's a conflict between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. There are two spiritual kingdoms, there's a conflict between the two. That's where there's conflict. That's where the conflict is. We need to realize that. We need to understand that. And this needs to be. Our, our prayer in that realization, um, in understanding these things about the kingdom, here is what our prayer needs to be. Jesus says in Matthew 6 and 9, Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There's a lot of evil in the world. How are we going to be delivered from that? It's through the power of the Father, working in Christ. Christ works through what? The institution of the church. What is the institution of the church? All these ambassadors. What are we ambassadors for? The institution of the church is the wing, the department (laughs) of heaven working in the earth. You've got heaven, the kingdom of God is just absolute there, right? The Father's will is done there. You have the church, that institution that's working in the earth, where, guess what? We have to partner with God. We have to partner with the Father to see His will. Now, again, people might not, oh, no, 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 that's not... God's will is always done. The Bible does not say God's will is always 100% done unless you say His will, His decree, His will, however you want to term it, is, it it, in, it encapsulates the ability of people to not do His will, right? Because 1 Timothy two, two. Oh man, what is it? Uh first Peter. Oh man. First Peter Chapter three. <laughs> oh, I'm drawing a blank. Um. Oh. Bear with me, folks. I'm having a mind melt. Uh, sorry, it's second Peter chapter three yeah, I was like ah, that doesn't something doesn't sound right about that. It's second Peter chapter three, verse nine. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness, instead he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That does not say everyone who's already you know in the elect predestined, it does not say everyone who's already in the church already say. He says everyone. He means everyone. That is what he said, and that is what he means. Uh, when you go to, as I said, 1 Timothy 2 2, um, we're supposed to pray. Verse 2 says, For kings, all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful and godly uh, Oh, sorry. Uh, verse 2 for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Why am I, I think I'm not going, yes, I'm not going far enough. My apologies. Verse 3 says, this is good and pleases God our Savior. And then verse 4, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and, who's he talking about? Mankind. The man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Okay? He's talking about all people. All mankind. Humankind. Who does he want to be saved? Everybody. Is everybody saved? No. Ergo, right? The will of God for everyone to be saved is not always done. Right? Why? Because God wills it but he does not force it. God wills it, but God has given men free will, allowing them to freely choose. His predestination is for people to, he will have a remnant. He will allow people to freely choose, right? But we choose. How do we choose? When the father calls, it only comes through, it only comes through when God his grace comes before us he calls us he grants us that that love and that grace and that ability right it all comes from god it, it all comes from grace through faith but we respond to it or we don't that's that's where that's where it's at we either respond to it or we don't and again i'm happy to get into that a little bit more you know john 316 God so loved what? The world that he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him, what? Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Who? Whosoever. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord. There are so many scriptures that teach us and show us that God has the door of salvation open to everyone and anyone. All right? So back to Matthew chapter 6. We need to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done here in the earth We need to pray that and we need to see it lived out because we will decide whether that happens. God has empowered men, giving men, as we talked about last time in Psalm 115, that he has given the earth to men. He has given dominion and ownership, right? Or tenancy, if you'd rather that, right? Because God owns everything, obviously he made everything. He's the creator, but he has said, Hey, mankind, here you go. Here's the earth have dominion, take authority. And so, Christ came and won that authority back, right? What did he say? All authority has been given to me, right? God has given all that authority. Jesus Christ possesses all authority in heaven and earth. We have to, what, partner with him in his kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to live that out. We need to see that come about. about. And that is what we need to focus on. If we understand there are things happening in the earth, there are things happening in the media, there are things happening uh, in education, there are things happening in entertainment and sports and uh, in music and all these, you know what we need? We need people of God who are not just quote-unquote Christians, Western Christians, checking the box on Sunday, but real people of God, disciples of Christ who are kingdom-minded, going out and seeing the will of God done on earth, as it is in heaven. Because, yeah, behind some of these institutions, there's a, ooh, a spooky, scary dragon. Whoopity-doo. Y'all got a dragon. I've got Yahweh. <laughs> now, I don't have Yahweh. I'm on his side. But you know what I mean. Ooh, there's a big scary dragon. Oh, Lucifer. Ooh. Um, okay, let me let me just make this clear. The one who made Lucifer and could zap him out of existence if he wanted to, the one who Literally, doesn't even get his hands dirty. He has an angel that is only using one hand in the book of Revelation, like cast him into a pit. Uh, there's no comparison. There's no comparison. You know, the people talk about read the back of the book and I won, or we win. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because there's no comparison. So they've got a dragon. Ooh, they're the beast. Oh, I'll tell you what. I've got Yahweh. I've got Jesus Christ. And I'm the church. The gates of hell do not prevail against the church, my friend. Right? What what did Jesus say? What is that? Matthew 16. Uh, Verse 16, I believe. All right. Let's go to verse 15. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Verse 17. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, and I tell you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not, not may not, not hopefully, they shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys. What keys? The keys to the kingdom of heaven, (laughs) and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You have the keys to what? The kingdom. Are we using those keys? Is the church using those keys, or are we too busy focused on individual aspects of the kingdom of God, but never stepping back and actually being kingdom-minded? And that is my challenge, and that is what I'm saying, and that is what we need to be focused on. Yeah, there's a kingdom out there of darkness, but we, yeah, we're going to deal with that. We're going to deal with the kingdom of darkness anywhere, everywhere we come into that confrontation, because you will come into confrontation. Why? Like Jesus said, look, there's conflict. There's conflict. There's two kingdoms, and there's conflict, but the focus needs to be your kingdom come your will be done. The focus needs to be we are the kingdom of light. We are the kingdom of God. We are the church. That's where the focus needs to be. In being the church that God has called out. This is what the epistles are all about, right? Why do we have all this teaching and instruction? It's showing people what did Jesus do all this teaching, these parables and everything. It's showing people. It's showing people how to be kingdom people. How to live it out. If the church would just do if the church would just be the church it's supposed to be, God's kingdom would be in the earth right now. All over the place. Jesus would be reigning. Would there be sinners? Yeah. Would there be people who didn't bow the knee? Yeah, sure. But they'd be in the minority. They'd just be there. You know, we're ho- we're praying for you. We're hoping for you. But, you know, all the cultural institutions are ours, you know, or Christ's. Um, everywhere you go, it's all a bunch of Christians everywhere. True Christians. Disciples of Christ. Kingdom-minded Christians. Not just, you know, some Western, like, TED Talk for Jesus Christian. But wouldn't that be an amazing world? <laughs> like, wow. Um, there'd be a lot of institutions, a lot of businesses that would just be flat out illegal. Be wrong. like, you, No, no, we don't. We don't do that here. You know, we're not we're not going to have those kinds of evil, uh, terrible institutions and things going on in, in our world where Jesus reigns. Um, uh, and we're not going to go kill everybody. Right? The Bible doesn't say to go do that. But the Bible does say be the kingdom of God. And so that is what I want you to pray. That is where I want you to focus. That is where I'm trying my best to keep my focus. And so again, my challenge, once again, is to be focused on the kingdom of God. Everywhere you go, everything you do, realize who you are and what you are, and be kingdom-minded in all that you do. I love you guys. God bless you. Hope you've enjoyed this series, and I will catch you on the next podcast.